I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. I'd also like to say hello to all those who are still watching online. We have an online campus who's been there all along. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Let's give it up for our online campus. We love you guys. We also have a lot of people who are online right now who are planning on still coming back once COVID is gone. We understand completely. Either way, you're a part of Church Unlimited Nation. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing here as a church. God is moving powerfully right now. We're glad you guys have joined us for that. We'd always like to start off with our mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out. We're glad you guys are here. I also just want to take a moment to say thank you, God, for letting us dodge a bullet last week with that hurricane. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could have been a lot worse. Some people had a fence down. That's not too bad. So I'm not saying that's a good thing, but that's not too bad considering what it could have been. I remember last week I was praying when the hurricane was heading our way, and I was like, Lord, we just got Rockport open two weeks ago, <laughs> and please don't take it out again. And so, anyways, we're all good. All the campuses are good, and all the people's homes are good, and I'm, most importantly, you're safe, and that's a great thing. So, again, thanks for being a part of our services. Glad you guys are with us. So, let me just ask you, you still feel stuck? You feel stuck maybe in your relationship? Like you're just not really getting where you want to go? Maybe you feel stuck in your career? Do you feel stuck in fear? Do you feel stuck wondering, are we ever going to really get through what's going on in our world? Do you feel stuck with tension in your family or, or in your, your relationships, in your friendships? Where do you feel stuck? Maybe you feel stuck in some depression or stuck in a cycle of sin that you can't seem to break out of. We all feel stuck at times. So how do you get unstuck? That's what today is all about. I'm really excited about the content. I know this is going to change your life because honestly, it's changing mine. So I'm really fired up about this. We're going to look at Leviticus chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles, I know you probably read Leviticus all the time. But anyways, Leviticus chapter 8 is one of those areas of Scripture where it's kind of hard to get something from. But I've learned this. When I read the Scriptures that I don't understand, instead of blowing by them, I've learned to stop and say, no, God let this be in the Word for a reason. So there must be something good here for me. And that's what we're going to unpack today. How can you get unstuck? And so again, thanks for being a part of our services. We're going to dive right in here. And so look at 1 Peter 2.9. I want to just lay some groundwork real quick so we can help you with this. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he calls you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Now, how many of you guys are like me that you turn on social media right now or the, or the news and you see a lot of darkness? But guess what? We're called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We get to live differently. You do not have to participate in this crazy chaos and fear because you are God's child and you are chosen. You are his royal priest and he has a bigger future for you. Someone needs to get that in their spirit right now. God has more for you. So I want to dive right in today. I want to talk about how to get unstuck because many of us do feel stuck. And I'm going to talk about two offerings in the, in the Old Testament. There's a lot of different offerings that sometimes we look at those and they don't make a lot of sense to us, right? But these two particular offerings, one was called the ordination offering and then the other one was called the guilt offering. And, and that, that may seem confusing to you, but let me just quickly, if I can, in the Old Testament, an offering was brought, they would, they would slaughter a lamb or a, an ox or, or they would slaughter a ram. And this was where God took his wrath, his anger for our sin out on the animal instead of out on us. Now, when you see that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that's represented, and the Old Testament represents, of course, what Christ did for us in the New Testament was that he became the Lamb of God. He died for us. He was the slaughtered lamb in our place. God took out his wrath for our sin on himself, on his own son. 
Okay, and so just that'll help you understand what we're about to go into. But I want to talk about these offerings because this has a big deal for how we get stuck in life can be found right here in scriptures. Let's just dive right in and let's get some new insight from some old offerings. Leviticus chapter eight says this. Moses slaughtered the ram of ordination, then took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. Did I forget my prop? I did. I totally forgot my prop. Can someone backstage bring me my tape. I've got some red tape that I'm going to use in just a second. I just realized I forgot it. Okay, let me keep going. Moses slaughtered the ram of ordination, then took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons uh, and applied some of the blood of the lobe to the lobes of their right ears, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. Then he splattered the rest of the blood against the altar. Now, what the blood represents here is the fact that you and I don't need to carry around guilt and shame for the things that we have done. Many times we get stuck because of our past, something we've done. Maybe you feel stuck because you, you, you say, God, how can you use me because of what I've done? I mean, there's no way you could do anything in my life because of where I've been, who I've been with, what I've done. So how in the world could, could you have a big plan for my life? But I've got news for you. The fact that there is an offering means that, that Christ died for you. He shed his blood for your sin and for mine. So here's the good news. I want to tell you this. I want you to get this in your spirit right now. You are completely forgiven. When Jesus went to the cross, he said on the cross, it is finished. I have completely covered your sin. So whatever guilt you carry, whatever shame you feel, guess what? The, on the cross, Christ died for you. And if you are carrying guilt and shame as a Christian, you need to understand something. What you're saying to God is your cross is not enough. I'm not willing to say that. Because the cross is enough, which means today you need to know you are completely 100% forgiven. It is all covered through the blood of the cross. You need to know that you don't have to carry that shame and that guilt any longer. Your past is now in your past. It is completely covered. Here's what I want to encourage you. Would you write this down? Would you write this down right now? Number one, your past is covered. It is completely covered. Thank you. Your past is completely covered. You are totally forgiven. Someone needs to know this, that you can let go of what you did. It's over. It's gone. The cross totally covers your past. Now, this is called the ordination offering. To be ordained, we think of that in terms of like a preacher being ordained, but to be ordained is it's the action of conferring holy orders on someone. Holy means set apart. Order set apart just for you. You are also ordained to do something with your life. Some of you are ordained by God to be in the military. Some of you are ordained by God to be a teacher. Some of you are ordained by God to go into sports or sports management. Some of you are ordained by God for the ministry. Some of you are ordained by God to go into sales or business. Some of you are ordained by God to work in the government. You have a calling on your life as much as I have one on mine. We all do. And so we all have something God's called us to, but oftentimes we get stuck in our past till we miss out on our future. So you need to know that your past is covered. Let's keep moving. Let me show you something else in this. So after they put this blood, for some reason, on the earlobe and on the thumb and on the toe, look what happens next. Next, Moses took the anointing, uh, some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar, and he sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. When it says his sons, that's not only just saying his sons, it's saying the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And I just read to you, First Peter, how we are also priests. So you are anointed too. Okay, so he's, he's putting his anointing on you as well. Okay, so let's go back. Look at this. Next, Moses took some of the anointing oil, some of the blood that was on the altar, and he sprinkled them on Aaron and, and his garments and on his sons and their garments. And this way he made Aaron and his sons and their garments holy. Now, let me show you where you see oil also being anointed, be, being poured on someone who is anointed. 
and, and basically ordained for a, a bright future. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is where the prophet Samuel takes a, a, a flask of oil and pours it over a boy named David and says, you're the next king. Look at this. It says this, fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Samuel took the flask of olive oil, and he brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David before he became king. You are anointed to be king. God's not giving you the position. He's giving you anointing to go get the position. God doesn't give you the houses. He gives you anointing to go get the houses. God doesn't give you the corner office. He gives you anointing to go work towards getting the corner office. God gives you the anointing so then you can go put in the work to get it done. And so what this means is that, number one, your past is totally covered. Number two, your future is anointed. God has something specifically for you to do with your life, and you're anointed to do it. God has a big plan for you, and so he anoints you for a bright future. The reason this is important is because we get stuck in our past, but some of us are stuck in our present. Because one of the reasons I know you're stuck in your present is because you're not preparing for your future. If you don't think you have an anointed future, you're not going to study very hard in school because you don't think it matters. If you, if you don't think you have an anointed future, you're not going to be getting ready. If you don't think you're anointed to have this great relationship, then guess what? You're not going to stay in shape and, and to worry about what you look like and press your clothes nice and present yourself well. Why? Because you don't think there's a future there. But when you recognize there's a future, when you recognize that God has a plan for you, then you prepare for it, you study for it, you get ready for it. You are anointed to do great things. He's not done with you. He covers your past and he blesses your future. So get ready. God has something bigger for you. Your future is anointed. Now I want to fast forward to another offering. This is called the, the guilt offering. Now for those of you who think, okay, we're talking about getting unstuck and we're talking about guilt offering. What does that have to do with anything? Well, let me just ask you this. The Bible actually says this. The Bible says that the pure in heart shall see God. So how many of you guys want to see God move in your life? We all do, right? How many of you guys want to see God do something? I want to see God do something great in my life. Well, apparently, my purity matters then. Now, that does mean moral purity, yes, but it doesn't just mean that. It means the pure in heart shall see God, which means I need to have a pure heart towards other people. If, if I'm eaten up with anger and resentment, I will not see God move in my life. If I'm filled up with immorality, impurities, frustration, if I have all that in my mind, guess what? The pure in heart see God, not the impure of heart. So it matters. So our position, our heart towards God, being in a right relationship with God and with each other as much as we can. We can't control other people. We can only control whether we're right with the other people. That matters for the future that God has for us. That's why the guilt offering matters, because this is God saying, have a pure heart before me. Be right with me so I can do great things through you. Now look at this, Leviticus chapter 14. This is the guilt offering. The priest will then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. Didn't we just read that? Didn't we just hear about this blood going on the earlobe and the right thumb and the right big toe for the ordination offering? So apparently this, this has some meaning because we see this now twice in Scripture. So this, the position of this blood matters. Now let's keep going. Look at Leviticus chapter 14, verse 15. It goes on to say not only did they put the blood on the earlobe and on the thumb and on the right big toe, but then they also took the olive oil, which was the anointing oil as well. Leviticus chapter 14. Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. Okay, there's got to be something to this. We've now seen it twice. Don't you love how the Word of God has things that we never knew 
And oftentimes when you discover it, you realize, wow, I've been studying the Word. Like for me, just the last few weeks as I've been studying this, God really spoke to me. I was so excited. I was literally running around the house yelling about this, going, thank you, God, for this. When God really showed me this, I got so excited because I love the fact that I've been studying God's Word for decades, and I still find things I never knew before. Isn't it great to know about that? God is still speaking through His Word in a profound way to you and me. So what this means, number three, is there's a sacrificial process to God's anointing on your life. There's a sacrificial process to God's anointing on your life. There's a process to getting unstuck. There's a way that you go about that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to actually bring some animal blood on stage. I don't think you'd want to see that. So we'll let this red tape represent the animal's blood. So they said they put some of the blood on the right earlobe. Can you guys see that okay? Okay, so I got my blood on my right earlobe. They also put some blood on the right thumb, the big thumb, the, the, well, not the big thumb, the only thumb on your right hand, <laughs> like there's more than one thumb. Anyway, so on the right thumb, sorry. And then they also put some blood on the big toe, is what I meant to say, on the right toe. I'm not gonna actually take my shoe off, that will gross you out, so there you go. So that, that'll represent my, my toe. So for some reason, in the ordination and in the guilt offering, this was a big deal to do this. So I talked about how ordination means conferring holy orders. Well, the anointing, anointed means uh, consecrated or set apart for a specific purpose. So God covers our past and he sets us up for a bright future. But it's not just that he applies the blood, which would represent the grace of Christ on us, but he applies, he applies the blood and the oil, the anointing also, on your right ear, your right thumb, your right toe. What is it about that? Why, why, why is that such a big deal? What, it's on the extremities of who we are. Why? What message are you trying to tell us? This is where it's about to get good. You're about to learn something because God has a process for you getting unstuck. And here is the process. What does the right earlobe mean? It means this, listen to God. The earlobe represents listening to God. Wait on, the vo on his voice to lead you. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Do you remember that? In the Old Testament, the high priest would go into a place called the Holy of Holies. He would go behind this curtain, and it would be a place that he could only get to after they slaughtered an animal for his own personal sins. This guy was the holiest guy in the land, and he, they still had to kill an animal, even to, even to get him to be able, able to be in the presence of God for five minutes without killing him. Because God is perfection, so imperfection gets killed off in front of him. So, so God's wrath would go out on the animal just to buy a few minutes to be in the presence of God. So he could go, and he could hear from God. But when Christ died, if you go study this in the New Testament, when Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He gave up his spirit. The moment he died, guess what happened? The temple veil at the moment he died was torn in two, which means that Christ sacrificed. And so that blood goes on our ears so we can listen to God. We can hear directly from God. Now, if I were to pay a big price and buy you a brand new Tesla, how many of you guys would like that today? If I just bought you a nice new Tesla, I wish I had the money. But if I did... If I bought you a brand new Tesla, I mean, all the latest technology, brand new, 2020, nice. I mean, it's got all the latest things that a car, you know, could have. Be amazing, wouldn't it? If I gave you that car and you kept it in the garage, I'd come over sometime and say, hey, have you driven the car? Oh, uh, I, yeah, I, I just kind of, kind of been busy. Haven't had a chance to get to it. You, I'd be like, what? I, I sacrificed greatly to get you this amazing vehicle and you've never taken it for a spin? You, you don't utilize the access I've given you to this expensive sacrificial gift I gave you? You're not accessing it? Because Christ dying on the cross for you, shedding his blood, him sacrificing himself just so you can have a direct ear to God and yet you are not listening to God? 
Do you know the sacrifice that's been given for you to be able to do that? And so the blood of Christ that's covered your sin has given you direct access to have an ear towards God for him to speak to you. That's the first step in getting unstuck is that God wants to speak something to you. And guess what God's going to tell you? Oh, he's going to tell me what to do? No. He's going to tell you who you are. Because when you discover who you really are, it'll downright shock you. But then we say, well, God, just like God anointed David and said to a shepherd boy who literally was smelly from being out with sheep all night, he walks in, hey, what's going on? Who's that? Oh, that's a prophet. Hi, how you doing? What's a prophet? Whoa, what are you getting the oil out for me? And they just poured over him, and all of a sudden the guy starts, hands raised, Lord, thank you, this is the next king of Israel. He's like, what's going on right now? You're the next king of Israel. Can you imagine how shocked he was? You know the next question I would have had? Awesome. How? Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do now. See, the first thing we get the ear, we, if we listen to God, he tells us who we are, but he doesn't tell us how to get there yet. He tells you who you are. You know why? So you start living like a king before you got the position. God wants you to start living the life before you're in the role. And so he tells you who you are. But then we have the big question is, how? How do I get there? That's where the thumb comes in. Check the scripture out. It says this, Proverbs 4.13. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well for your life is at stake. The word of God is God's instruction. And you're supposed to hold tight to it. The thumb re represents because you are to hold tight to his instructions. So if I were to hold on to the Bible, give me a second and just help me out here. So I'm going I'm to grip my Bible and I'm not going to use my thumb. So can you just, let's see if you can just take that from me. See, see, oh, see, I didn't have a good grip because I wasn't using my thumb. But if I'll just use my opposing thumb and now go ahead and try and take it. See, I got it pretty good. You're not going to get that in my hand now because I, I got a good grip on it. So apparently part of the anointing that God has for your future is he wants you to hear from God who tells you who you are, then open the word to discover how to get there. So here's who God says I am, and here's how to get there. Well, pastor, I don't know really how to get there. I mean, I know I feel stuck in this sin, but I don't know how to get out of it. Well, who else had that sin? How'd they get out of it? Read and find out. I mean, I'm just, I'm struck with this lust. I don't know what to do. There's this person in my life. I don't know how to avoid them. It's just, oh, go study Joseph. He had to avoid someone who was lustful after him. He had to avoid someone to get away from him. Go see what he did. I just feel so stuck. I feel like everyone's against me and everyone's after me. Oh, go study a young David who literally had people after him trying to kill him and see what he did. Oh, I, Lord, I just, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. I got this huge project. I don't know how to organize this thing. But yeah, they put me in charge. And God, I know this is part of my future, but I don't know what to do. Oh, go study Nehemiah. He was just a, an assistant to someone who then became over the entire land. He had to organize a whole project to rebuild a wall. He can really help you. God gives you the instruction. He tells you how to get there. Hold tightly to it because the blood on that thumb means that it, you're anointed. The, the oil on the thumb says, this is how I get there. I'm going to hold on to the word because I heard from God. He told me who I am, and this tells me how to get there. You need both. Hold on. And look what happens next. He puts the blood on the right toe. What is up with the toe, right? The toe, the right toe. Put your foot on new ground. That means you put your foot on new ground. Joshua 1.3 says this, I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. God told Moses and God told Joshua and God's telling you, wherever you put your foot, I'm giving you that land. Why? Because you heard me tell you who you are. You, told, uh, you, you now hold the word of God in your hand to tell you how to get there. And so the only thing left to do is take that next step. 
And wherever you put your foot, God will give it to you. Does this mean that God just gives you whatever you want? No, it doesn't mean that God's going to give you everything, but God has given you a word for who you are and instruction on how you are to go. And so wherever God told you to put your foot, that is going to be your new land. Did you know this year you should have your feet on land you didn't have last year? And next year you're supposed to have your feet on land you don't have this year. Because that's how you get unstuck. Because you hear from God. Here's who you are. You discover how to get there, and then you put your foot on that new ground, and you take it new ground. And if you are man enough to put your foot on it, God is God enough to give it to you. Let me say it again. If you'll be man enough to put your foot on it, God will be God enough to give it to you. I want to challenge you that this is how you get unstuck. My past is forgiven. My future is anointed. I hear from God. I apply his word and I step on that new ground because I'm anointed by God. God has a plan for my life. I am no longer stuck because I have God on my side. You're not stuck. You and I are not stuck. Now I want to show you one last thing. Joshua Excuse me, Judges chapter 1, this is interesting. Did you know that there was a, a, a routine thing that they did to kings? If you were a king fighting another king in their kingdom, and that king beat you, overtook you, won the war against you, guess what they would do to you? They would cut off your thumbs and your big toes. Huh, interesting, isn't it? Now, first of all, we need to establish something. God is the king of kings. In fact, you know, Ezra had a, a dream, he had a vision where he saw the temple of God filled with this flowing robe that covered every seat, every square inch. It was so thick, he said, I couldn't even hardly walk in, it was just there was robe everywhere. You know why? Because when kings conquered other kingdoms, they would take that king, cut off his thumbs and cut off his toes, and then he would rip the, uh, the royal train that he wore, the royal robe he took, they would rip it off of him, and then they would sew it onto the, king, the winning king's robe. That's why the robes were so long. It represented all the kingdoms that they had conquered. So when God has this picture for Ezra to see, and it's a flowing robe filling the whole temple, God's saying, there is no kingdom I have not beaten. There is no thing in your life that God says, I have not conquered. I have not given victory. I have total victory in Christ because he has won all the battles before I even enter them. Total dominion, total domination. But there's an enemy that wants to take off your thumb. There's an enemy that wants to take off your toe. You know why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to hear the instruction. I go to the, I go to the bookstore. I go, I, go, I go stand in line at the, at the you know, local grocery store. And I don't know what it is about it, but I'm standing there and I look over and there's these magazines and I'm always drawn to them. I'm like, People Magazine. I'm like, oh yeah, which Kardashian is dating who now? Let me see what... I don't know why I care. You know, oh, what's Justin Bieber doing now? You know, what's, what's going on? I don't know why I care, but I'm drawn to that. And nothing ever gets in my way. Grabbing that magazine, just slipping through it, waiting, you know, nothing ever stops me. But the moment I try to open God's word when I'm at the house or at the office, the moment I say, oh, I need to get in God's word, phone rings. There's a knock at the door, some kind of interruption. It's almost like someone's trying to keep me out of this book. Uh, no one tries to keep me out of People magazine, but something keeps me out of this book. It's almost like there's a spiritual enemy that knows we can't let him get equipped. We can't let him get to the bullets because then he can fire them at us. So they want to keep me out of the word of God. I just find it interesting that all across the world right now, <laughs> you know, people don't have a problem. They're like, you want to go right in the streets, knock yourself out. You want to go to the mall? No problem at all. You want to go to church? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's almost like there's someone trying to keep us away from instruction. It's almost like someone's trying to lop off our thumbs so we can't get a good hold of the word of God for our future. It's almost like there's a spiritual enemy trying to keep us away from God's house. Just the other day, I was driving 
uh, heading out to the island. I was driving by the mall and I looked over and the mall was packed, cars everywhere. I thought, wow, no one thinks there's a Corona over there. <laughs> I'm just wall to wall, cars everywhere. I thought, wow, look at that. No problem there, but if, but if I were to go inside and say, hey, let's have church, oh, we can't do that, there's Corona. <laughs> That's funny. So we're not scared to go to the mall or to Walmart or to out to eat or to the beach and we're terrified to go to church. It's almost like someone's trying to keep us away from instruction. But there's a direct correlation to how stuck you feel and how long it's been since you've heard from God. But if you will get into the word of God, if you will go to his house, if you'll get into the word, you'll understand that God has a word for you. And I know some of you have preexisting conditions and I understand that. And I'm just glad you're with us right now. You're in church right now, online. Thank you for that. But I want to challenge you there's been a new study that just came out that one-third of Christians that are churchgoers aren't even going online. And I know you're here. You're listening to the Word of God. I understand that. But I want you to remind your family and your friends, don't miss what God has for you because the enemy's trying to keep you stuck. Then he wants to lop off that thumb so where you don't have a hold of the Word of God and take off that toe where you never take new ground. When the truth is it's time for us to understand that God has a future for us and the future is not COVID-19. The future is God's anointing on your life. It's bigger. Don't be afraid. But the enemy does want, does not want you to hear from God or get his instruction. Would you write that down? There's an enemy trying to keep you from his instruction. God has bigger things for you, though. Last thing I want to share is this. It's so cool. When I saw this, I was just, I was just blown away. Leviticus chapter 14. Look what else they do so that they put the blood on the earlobe the thumb, the big toe. Then they put the oil, the anointing on the earlobe, the thumb, and the big toe. And then they do one last thing. It says this, the priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Why? Why would he do that? Because nothing works that I just shared with you until you get it in your head. Here's the truth. I can tell you all these points all day long, but you have to believe the one thing that Jesus couldn't overcome. Jesus couldn't overcome it. Did you hear what I just said? The one thing that limited Jesus. Certain places in Scripture, shocking, he would say, I can't do a miracle here. Why? Because these people don't believe. The only thing stopping God moving in your life is your lack of belief. Get it in your head. You've got to believe that God has a future. You've got to believe he forgives your past. You've got to believe he has an anointing future. You've got to believe he has something better for you. You've got to believe there's a God who loves you, that he has great things for you. You've got to believe it. You have to believe it. Are you spitting and spewing fear? Are you spitting or spewing faith? Because that tells him what you believe. It's time for us to believe that God has something better for us. Number five, you must believe. Mark 9, 23 says this, anything is possible if a person believes. You have to believe. God has something great for you. You don't have to be stuck any longer. Your past is forgiven. Your future is anointed. You need to hear from God. You need to take hold of his word. And you need to take that next step. Here's the great thing about steps, by the way, those of you say, but I only know one step to take. I don't know all the steps. Then take the one. Many times, if you'll just take the one step, that one step is all he wanted. Well, why did they tell Moses what to do next? They just told him, Moses, you know, he said, I'm stuck. Between Egyptians breathing down my neck and, and, a, and a raging, you know, Red Sea, I, I'm stuck. God says, just, just do what I say. Take your stick, put it in the water. He's like, okay, yeah, well, then what? And he's like, just do. Well, then Moses, take the stick. Did I tell you what to do? Yes, you, okay, I heard you. Yes, I, you gave me instruction. I'll put the stick in the water. Oh, the Red Sea parts. God's saying, if you'll just do the one step I gave you, I'll do the rest. 
Quit trying to figure your life out. That's God's business, not yours. Just do the next step. And he will part the waters. That's his job. Your job is not to create miracles. Your job is to obey the one who does. He's got you. So what's your next step? We take a moment and bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every, client, every eye closed. So we just take a moment to pray. Oh, I feel the anointing on my ear. I feel the anointing in my fingers and my, my right thumb. How about you? Oh, God's speaking to someone right now. He's giving you that next step. Have you given your life to Christ? He was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the offering. He offered himself for you and for me. He died on the cross for our sins. God knew there was no amount of animals that could take care of our sin problem. But there was only one who was perfect who could die for us. So he sent his own son. Jesus died on the cross. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer. You can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now. Pray this prayer with me. You can say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, Christ has come into your heart. Maybe today you're already a Christ follower, but you've been stuck. You've been stuck. Maybe it's time to just lift your hand high to God and say, thank you that I hear your word. I hear your word. I'm going to apply your truth, and I'm going to take that next step. Thank you, Lord. I'm not really stuck. I've just been stuck in my mind. But Lord, thank you that you apply the oil to my head to help me know that if I'll just believe and take those steps, you have a great future for me. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you cover our past and you anoint our future. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Ain't God good? His word is so